Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. We started a foundational series, so to speak. Pastor Jeff's out on sabbatical, and so I'm doing the majority preaching while he's gone. And I felt like God laid on my heart the necessity of talking of a foundational series on the holiness of God. And so two weeks ago, we looked at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2. And that's kind of our theme verse for the next 14, 15, 18 weeks, whatever that ends up being. But that's kind of our key verse and if you, it's on the front of your bulletin. It's going to be there every single week because I want you to really grasp the depth of what that is and what that's saying, where God cries out and says, Be holy because I, Yehovah, your Elohim, am holy. Be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And the significance of that. And as we start thinking through and processing the, the idea of being holy, uh, we, we looked at that two weeks ago, and then Pastor Bob came up last week and spent some time talking about the holiness from Second Samuel as we looked at that last week. And this week, I want to change the perspective just a little bit because we spent two weeks talking about the holiness of God the Father. Today, I want to talk about the holiness of the Holy Spirit. The holiness of the Holy Spirit. Because we talk about the Holy Spirit on a regular basis here. But how often do we actually focus on the first part of the word of the Holy Spirit, that He is holy? The Holy Spirit of God is holy. The Holy Spirit of God is part of God. The Holy Spirit of God is a guarantee for us. It's a gift that we receive. So when we were saying yes to Jesus, when you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, you were given a birthday present. Do you like birthday presents? I love birthday presents. I love birthday presents. It shows that other people care about us because they give us a gift to say, well done, you made it through another year. God loves us so absolutely much that he gave us a birthday present when we said yes to him. And that was the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God was given to us in that moment when we said yes, when we repented of our sins, when we said, Lord Jesus, I want you, when I, I want you to be a part of who I am, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Whatever words you use, whatever was stirring inside of your heart, when you said yes to Jesus and you became a Christ follower, a Christian, in that moment, in that split second, you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within us, but it's kind of a twofold gift. It has two basic purposes. Purpose number one of the Holy Spirit of God is a confirmation. It is a guarantee. It is a reminder that the moment that we say our very last breath, say our very last breath, take our very last breath. The moment we say our very last word, take our very last breath and enter into eternity with Him, that the Holy Spirit has been with us those entire number of years because it is a guarantee that when we take our last breath, we get to spend eternity with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. How beautiful is that? That He gives us a gift guaranteeing. And we're going to look at some Scripture to back that up this morning and look at that in the, in the Scripture about why God would actually do that. Why would God give us the gift of the Holy Spirit of God to guarantee? It's a reminder. He wants us to be able to remember every single moment. Anytime that our heart cry, our minds go toward Him. He wants us to remember that He gave us a beautiful gift that dwells within us. It dwells within us, the Holy Spirit of God. And it's a guarantee 
that life everlasting is coming. It's beginning right here and now. We don't have to wait until we don't breathe anymore to experience life everlasting with us. That's that guarantee of what is to come. The second part of the gift of the Holy Spirit of God, the second purpose that he gave us that, was to help us maintain holiness and purity. He gave us a best friend. He gave us a friend, a companion, a comforter. There's so many words used throughout Scripture to talk about the Holy Spirit of God. You have the fruit of the Spirit, which are basically the attributes of who the Holy Spirit of God is within us. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's given us all these different dynamics and understandings of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, beyond anything else, beyond all of those, is a companion that we have. And this companion reminds us of the necessity of living out a Leviticus 19.2 lifestyle, of being holy because the Lord our God is holy. And how beautiful is God? How awesome, how incredible is our Daddy King? King Abba, that He loves us so much that He knew that we needed a little bit of help. Does God know you or does God know you? Does God know me or does God know me? Yes, he does. He loves us so absolutely much that he says, I am going to give you commands in Scripture that on your own is impossible to follow. Without the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you, it is impossible to live out a Leviticus 19.2 lifestyle. It can't be done. But with the Holy Spirit of God within us, it is possible to live a holy lifestyle. Guys, it has to be possible. Because if it's impossible, then God lied. Because God said, be holy. He gave us a command, be holy because I, Yehovah, your Elohim, am holy. Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. He gave us a command. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't an opinion. It wasn't something just to think about every once in a while. It is a command. It is a lifestyle that we're called, we're told, we're commanded to live out. But God says, in your flesh, in your humanity, you just can't do that. And so when you say yes to me, I'm going to give you a gift of the Holy Spirit of God. And this Holy Spirit is going to teach you and help you walk out a holy lifestyle. I'm not going to give you a command that's impossible to walk out. So if the command is impossible to walk out, yet He gave us a command, either God is setting us up for failure, which goes against the very nature and DNA of God, or either God changed his mind, which makes him a liar. Either one of those cases, I didn't take the scripture and just throw it away because it doesn't mean anything to my heart, to my life. It's not applicable. Either the truth is the truth or it's not the truth. Either scripture is founded on truth or it's not. If it's founded on truth, then we have to change the lens through which we view the truth and figure out ways, think through ways, pray through ways, ask the Holy Spirit of God to reveal to us how to walk this out. And God has done that with the Holy Spirit. Remember, we have a definition of holiness. If you look on the front of your bulletin, it's listed there also. But I want to read that one more time just for us to be on the same page. To be holy is to be exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. To be perfect in goodness and righteousness is not a checklist of rights and wrongs, do's and do nots. It is a DNA. It's God literally changing the very DNA of who we are so that we can walk in holiness and purity. So what does that look like? How does the Holy Spirit do that? What does that actually look like in my, in my body, in my soul, in my strength? Well, I don't, I don't grasp how that works. So let's think through that for a moment and process that. 
Before you were a Christ follower, you were still you. Body, soul, strength, mind. So the way I like to think through it is physical, emotional, and spiritual. You were still you. You had a physical body. You still had an emotional, which kind of makes up your mind. And then you had a spiritual essence of who you are. But when you said yes to Jesus and that gift came to dwell within you, the Holy Spirit took residence inside of your tent, inside of your jar clay, inside of these fleshly bodies that are temporary until eternity hits. And in that moment, instead of your tent being occupied by one spirit, it suddenly became occupied by two spirits. God didn't kick your spirit to the side. You wouldn't be you anymore. But He came to dwell within us. The Holy Spirit of God became a part of who we are. And now two live in one tent. And so the Holy Spirit is a joyful spirit. He's a happy spirit. He's full of peace and love and joy and compassion. All these beautiful attributes of who the Holy Spirit of God is dwells within each and every one of us as Christ followers. And so His working within us is to point us to holiness. And so when the fleshly part of me, my spiritual essence, chooses not to listen to what He is saying and do my own thing, He convicts me of sin. What does conviction of sin look like? Basically, it's a knock at the door and the Holy Spirit saying, Hey, that's not holiness. That's not goodness. That's not righteousness. And I can do one of two things with that. When the Holy Spirit knocks on my door and says, what you did in that moment was not holiness, it was not righteousness, it was not goodness, I have a choice. I can either say, God, I'm sorry, that was wrong, help me not to do that again, or I can pretend like it didn't exist, and I can turn my back to the Holy Spirit of God and say, I'm doing what I want, I'm not listening to this, you do what you want to, I'm going to do what I want to. And so there's this wrestling within us on a constant basis. It's a healthy wrestling. It's a good wrestling. It's my spirit and his spirit. But his spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to abuse me. He's not going to take advantage of me. He's not going to push me around. He's simply going to hold his arms wide open and say, Here I am. I want to help you. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to direct you. That's my calling. That's my purpose. That's why I'm here, to point you to the Father, to point you to Jesus, to show you what holiness looks like, to help you understand what purity and righteousness and walking in integrity looks like. But I've got to help you. Here's what you've got to do. So the beautiful picture of this is you've got the Holy Spirit. Let's assume for a moment that everyone in here is right-hand dominant, just for the sake of this illustration. And in your left hand, Your weaker hand is the Holy Spirit of God. That's the essence of the Holy Spirit. Your dominant hand is the spirit of who you are. Okay? Now, God's design with giving you the Holy Spirit within you, He wants to walk hand in hand with you. The beautiful middle school, high school couple walking down the mall, holding hands, eyes glazing, smiles a mile wide, hearts a-fluttering. God wants, through the Holy Spirit, to walk hand in hand with our spirit, to be one. Because what happens when you walk hand in hand? If you go to the left, you're going to the left. If he goes to the right, you're going to the right. If he goes up, you're going up. If he goes down, he's going down. If he goes behind, wherever he goes, we are linked together and going. But I have a choice to make. I can either choose today to open my hand up and allow the Holy Spirit of God to grasp and walk with me, or I can choose not to. 
Why is it all throughout Scripture that we have to make decisions day by day and moment by moment? The Scripture says, this is the day the Lord has made. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. It's a choice that you make. I do not have to choose to rejoice and be glad that this is the day the Lord has made. I can choose to run away from it and rebel against it. It's a choice that I make. This is the day the Lord has made. I will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Why did Jesus say, take up your cross daily and follow me? Because every single day I have a choice. Either I'm going to walk in holiness and purity. I'm going to walk with the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm going to do what he wants, when he wants, as he wants. Or I'm going to choose not to. And so throughout our lives, throughout our day-to-day conversations, throughout every thought process, he says, take every thought captive. Why? Because every single thought is either a thought based on holiness and purity and righteousness, or it's not. The thoughts that are not, I have to take captive and say, no, I'm not following that train of thought anymore. I am going to go back to where the holiness is, to where the righteousness is. Guys, we are called to live a lifestyle of holiness, not just here, not just spiritually, but emotionally, as well as physically. In all three of those areas, we are called to holiness. So the Holy Spirit's desire is to walk hand in hand. But so often, my hand is kind of like this, kind of holding on to his pinky, and he's trying to reach, and he's trying to grab, and his hands are wide open, says, just reach up. And I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, I got you a little bit. How often are we walking around with our fist balled up, where my spirit says to the Holy Spirit, who's trying to grasp, he's trying to grab hold, he wants to interlock his fingers, he wants to take and walk with me, but my spirit says, no, I don't want this today. I want to do what I want. I choose to walk in a different path. And it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. We have the option. We have the opportunity. We can grieve the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us. Because when we choose not to walk in holiness, not to walk in purity, what we're telling the Holy Spirit of God is, I'm going to do my own thing, and it grieves Him. Because the very reason He's there is to embrace us, and to hold us, and to love us, and to point us to the Father. So today I want to look at some scripture with you about the holiness of the Holy Spirit of God. But it's more than just about the holiness of the Holy Spirit of God. It's about the holiness of the Father and the Son as well. And we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the holiness of the Father because we did that in the last two weeks. But I want for just a moment, as we read this, I want you to possibly change your lens, possibly change your thought process as we look at this. Because here's how I want you to look at this. I want you to look at this scripture as we read it verse by verse from a lens of Daddy is King. Daddy, my daddy, our daddy is king. I want you to observe it from that perspective. And that's hard for some of us. It's not hard for me because God's rocked my world in the last two years. But up until that point, it's very hard for me because many of you have heard my story before. I grew up in an abusive fatherly relationship. It was not pleasant. I got out of the house as fast as I could. I joined the military on my 17th birthday just to get out of the house. And so that, even, even though 
that skewed my version of earthly father relationships. It messed up my, my view of God. And that's on me. I allowed my earthly situations to mess up my relationship and my view of God. That's on me. And God revealed that to me about two years ago, and I've been through a two-year process, two-and-a-half-year process, of coming into walking into wholeness and fullness of understanding who my heavenly Father is. God is the king on the throne with a big, long, white beard and the big scepter dressed in in regalty and, and a large crown. That is part of Him, but He's also the gentle king. He's also the king of every single one of us who looks at us eyeball to eyeball and stops in the middle of His kingly duties. He stops, looks at us and says, just a moment, my little boy's here. My little girl's here. Come here. Come, come, come here. Come here. Sit in my lap. This kingly stuff's important, but you are the apple of my eye in this moment. And he says that about every single one of us as Christ followers. I'm going to back that up with Scripture here in just a second. Our daddy is king. He's King Abba. That's his name. King Abba. Daddy King. So from that perspective, do the best that you can to put that frame of reference, put that lens on as we look at this Scripture. Today I want to look at Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13, and we're going to read through verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 3 through 14. And I'm going to, I'm going to read today from the Names of God version of the Bible. I absolutely love just the way that it, it takes this section and puts it in a way that I can easily understand it. So let me read this for you. This is the words of Paul to the church of Ephesus. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed us with every single spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Let that sink in for just a moment. Remember what I told you about the Scripture to begin with. Either it's truth or it's not truth. If it's truth, then we have to believe what it says. And Paul says here that our God, that our Father, that our Daddy King, King Abba in heaven, through Jesus Christ. So that means to us who are Christ followers, us who have said yes to Jesus, through Jesus Christ, God has blessed us, each and every one of us, not some of us, Not a few of us, not a select group of us, but every one of us as Christ followers. He has blessed us with every, say the word every, say the word every, every Every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Does that not blow your mind? Every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer is at our fingertips. It's available for us. I was reading a book a few months back. I can't even remember the name of the book. But I, what, what rocked my world with it is the author had this, this idea of heaven. He kind of put it this way. He said, if you can imagine for a moment that heaven is this gigantic warehouse full of different rooms, full of every single spiritual blessing that's available. And every one of them are open for us. And it says, all you have to do is ask. 
All you have to do is ask. You want a spiritual blessing? Ask. You want that spiritual blessing? Ask. You want more of God? Ask. It's kind of like James was saying, I don't even know what I'm asking for. I just want more. And I think that is such a beautiful, authentic prayer. I think that's one of the most beautiful prayers that we can pray. And I think that prayer itself touches the very heartbeat of God. That in my frailty, in my lack of understanding, in my finite mind state, that I would simply cry out to God and say, God, I don't even know what I'm asking for. I just want more. I just want more of you. I want more of these spiritual blessings. And I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with them. I don't even know how they work. I don't know what I'm going to think next. But I just want more. Give me more. Because the scripture is true. Do we believe what Paul said right there? That God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Absolute truth. What do we do with it? We yawn for it. We groan for it. We desire it. We chase after it. We passionately pursue it. I want more. I want more to live that type of lifestyle. This evidence to those that are around us. I am living a lifestyle in front of my family of I want more God. And I want it to be visible to those that are around me. My lifestyle of passionately pursuing Christ affects those that are around me. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. But because of God's working in me, it affects those that are around me. It's absolutely beautiful. So look at verse 4. <laughs> this, this is incredible. Before the creation of the world... Before the creation of the world, He chose us through Christ Jesus to be holy and perfect in His presence. Think about that for a moment. Let that sink in. Does that not blow your mind before the creation of the world? Before the creation of the world. Now, depending on what you believe from a scientific perspective, you may believe that the earth is somewhere between 12 and 15,000 years old. You may believe that it's somewhere between 12 and 15 million years old. You may believe that it's somewhere between 12 and 15 billion years old. And you know, this is one of those instances in Scripture where I kind of like the billion a little bit more. Because think about it. Before the creation of the world, let's assume for the moment that the world's 15 billion years old. Before the creation of the world, 15 billion years ago, God had chose us. Who is us? <laughs> Hello? Us. Those that are in this room right now. Those of us in 2019 that are Christ followers. In every church around the world. In every gathering around the world. If you have said yes to Jesus, this is true for you. And every year, every day, every month, every year, from this point on, is further and further and further away from whenever creation happened. And that's even further away from when He said that He had chose us in Christ Jesus. See, He foreknew. He knew this ahead of time. And it was through Jesus Christ. That's the answer for us. It's that relationship with Jesus. So as Christ followers before the creation of the world, God chose us. God chose us through Jesus Christ. Us who are Christ followers. Anyone who has said yes to Jesus is part of our family. And as being part of our family, each and every one of us have been given that gift of the Holy Spirit of God to point us to holiness, to point us to purity, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But it's a choice that we make. Look at verse 5. Because of His love, He had already, before the creation of the world, okay? Because of His love, He had already decided to adopt us through Jesus Christ. Now, we live in a world today where adoption is, kind of has mixed reviews. 
in some areas, adoption is great because as, as wealthy, so to speak, Americans, Westerners, sometimes will go to third world countries and adopt a child out of poverty in order to save them. Beautiful thing to do. And sometimes we view adoption as, well, my, my family's not taking care of my niece or nephew and, and I'll reach out and I'll, and I'll help them. But by and large, it's not something that's part of our heartfelt DNA. It's like we're not looking where we can adopt people. It's not part of who we are. Just in our culture. But I want you to understand the culture that Paul's writing to in Ephesus almost 2,000 years ago. The idea of adoption is totally different than it is today. Totally different. And that changes our perspective of how we read this very section of Scripture. So adoption 2,000 years ago was this. I, as a father 2,000 years ago, with biological children, for any reason whatsoever, could disown them. Because I just didn't like their looks anymore. I didn't like the way they talked to me. I could do whatever. I could get rid of them. They're no longer my children. Scary, isn't it? But as a father 2,000 years ago, if I legally adopted a child, it was non-breaking for eternity. Eternity. No matter what that child did, right, wrong, good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. No matter what that child did, there was legally no way on earth to get rid of that child. They were a part of my family forever. They had access and legal right to everything that I have forever. From that lens, look at what Daddy King's talking about here. Because of his love, he had already, before you were born, before the creation of the world, he had already decided to adopt you and me through Jesus Christ. There's that through Jesus Christ. There is an end. There is a way. There is a stipulation. It has to be through Jesus Christ. But he foreknew. He chose to adopt us. Now, I was sharing with the teenagers on Wednesday night. This kind of blew your mind. A little bit. Blew my mind. So if God's daddy king and God chose to adopt us, who's our big brother? Let that sink in for a minute. Let that sink in for a minute. My big brother is Jesus. Why is that so important? Because the big brother, the oldest brother, sits in the seat of authority under the Father. Where does Jesus sit? On the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The right hand is the seat of authority. It's the seat of power. That's where Jesus sits right now. And as I look at the Scripture, I look at it and I read His story. I read what He said from the lens of He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my all in all. He's my shepherd. Also read it from, he's my big brother who is telling his little brother, his little sister, this is how you do it. Watch me. I'm imitating dad. I'm doing what dad wants us to do. You watch me. I'm going to show you the right way of doing that. That's the love that God has for us. It's so absolutely mind-blowing that our big brother sets the example for us. He's still our Lord. He's still our Savior. He's every other of those words that we talk about. He's also our brother who sets the example. It's not some stranger setting the example. It's not just the king who's telling you this is what I'm saying to do. He's saying, I live this out as your brother. And I want you because you're adopted. You're part of my family. We're part of the same family now. This is how I live my life. This is how I honor and glorify my Father. Watch the way I live my life and imitate me as I imitate Him. Absolutely beautiful. Verse 5 continues. He says, He freely chose to do this. God chose to do this. So that the kindness He had given us in His dear Son would be praised and given glory. 
So the kindness, the kindness that he had given us in his dear son would be praised and given glory. Why do we gather here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or whenever else we tend to gather together? Just praise and glorify God. Do you understand that we're actually fulfilling this very scripture by doing what we're doing right now? This is praising and glorifying God. Singing the songs is praising and glorifying God. Worshiping together is praising and glorifying God. Praying over each other, for each other, encouraging each other is honoring and glorifying God. We walk this out every single moment of every single day when we do what God has instructed us to do. This is the lifestyle that we live. And it's hard, isn't it? Oh, this is easy. Sunday morning, hour and a half. Yeah, we can make this happen. So when we go out those doors, it becomes difficult, isn't it? But the calling's no different. The instructions are no different. That's why you've got to surround yourself with godly people, godly men and women, who encourage you and equip you and empower you and point you to Jesus. And you rely so heavily on the foundation of the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us so that He can point us to holiness and purity. Verse 7, through the blood of His Son, we are set free from our sins. This is the salvation story, right? God forgives our failures because of His overflowing kindness. That's the salvation story. It's in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago. He was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, He rose again. He traveled around for 40 more days, and then He ascended to heaven where He sits at the right hand of God the Father, Daddy King, King Abba Almighty. That's where He is. But it's through Him, through His blood on the cross, that we say yes. So that's the salvation that He's offered. God foreknew this before the creation of the world, we told. In Ephesians chapter 1, He already had this plan laid out for each and every one of us. Because saying yes and accepting this free gift of salvation, saying yes, I want this, saying yes, Lord Jesus, I desire this, I crave this, I I yearn for this, give me more. When that becomes the very DNA of who we are, our, our cry, it's an open-ended yes. You're adopted. You're adopted. And God forgives our failures because of his overflowing kindness. Yeah, yeah but my, my view of God's warped. I see God on the throne with a lightning bolt and a scepter. And the scepter's power, but the lightning bolts to get me when I do something wrong. My view of God is God's the God that can't wait for me to make a mistake so he can take his belt off and spank me. That was my view of God. But it's not anymore. It's not anymore. Because Daddy King is kind. He gave us Jesus. He gave us a big brother to follow and emulate. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. Part of Him breathed into us to help us walk this difficult life that is complicated through attacks from the evil one. This complicated through relationships with people. This complicated with finances and health issues. But the Holy Spirit of God helps us through that. You know, I, I say this to teenagers on a regular basis. If you need healing physically, emotionally, or spiritually, my earnest prayer is that first of all, it's going to get spiritual. Because physical is bad, emotional is really, really bad. If you need healing there, 
But if you get your spirit in tune with God, if you are spiritually healed, the emotional and the physical, even though they're bad, they're not as bad. Because my spirit's in tune with the Holy Spirit of God within me. Verse 8, he poured out his kindness by giving us every kind of wisdom and insight when he revealed the mystery of his plan to us. The mystery of his plan is Jesus. It's a mystery. Why on earth would God do that? Why did God love me so much that he, that he knew me before the creation of the world and then chose to form me anyway? You knew what mistakes I was going to make, and yet you still chose to form me. Why? You knew my flaws. You knew my issues. You know my sin nature. You know my cravings. You know the way the world reacts with me and I react back to it. And yet you still chose to form me. Why? Because of his infinite kindness and his love. Because he chose to adopt us. I'm going to form you and I'm going to give you Jesus. Because I want to adopt you to a legally binding transaction that lasts for eternity. And while on earth did you give me a mind that's finite? I can't even understand what the word eternity means. You ever stop to think about the word forever? Have you ever stopped to think about it, how long forever really is? I mean, I can say forever, 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 and on and on and on forever, and I still not get to wrap my mind around that. That's one of those words that our minds just can't comprehend. It just can't grasp it. And yet God says, I, want, I have chosen you, adopted with me forever. Blows my mind. He had decided to do this through Christ. In verse 10, he planned to bring all of history to its goal in Christ. Then Christ would be the head of everything in heaven and on earth. God also decided ahead of time to choose us through Christ according to his plan, which makes everything work the way he intends. This is truth of Scripture. This is the truth. Paul, didn't say, Paul said it, Brent didn't. This is Paul writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, says that God himself planned all of this so that we who had already focused our hope on Christ, would praise Him and give Him glory. And so today, we give God praise and glory that He's due. We worship Him because He's worthy, period. We give Him praise and glory because He's worthy, period. Does it matter what the weather is outside? Does it matter what's going on here atmosphere-wise? Does it matter what's going on in my heart, my life, my emotions, my family, whatever else? He's due and worthy of it, period. Now, doesn't mean it's easy when times are tough, to choose to give Him praise and glory. I mean, the, the Spirit itself groans in a way that sometimes we don't even have words to pray. So the, so the Holy Spirit groans and ushers words on our behalf because I don't even know what to say because of the, the depravity of life, the heartache of life, the stress of life, the struggle of life. Yet I can still choose in that moment to the very best of my ability to give Him praise and give Him glory and say, God, fill me. Give me more of the Holy Spirit. Help me to walk in purity and holiness. Help me to get, have clean hands and a pure heart and a resolute spirit. And then he sums it all up in verse 13 and 14, which is our live and share verse of the week. So you can take that and memorize it this week. But this is, this is really the heartbeat of the, of the word. You heard and believed the message of truth. And so that, that's one question for today. You've heard it. Some of you have heard it hundreds and hundreds of times. Have you believed it? Because here's the catch. If there is a catch, it's not really a catch. It's more of a prerequisite. You have heard and believed. 
You have heard and believed. You have heard and said yes to Jesus. You have heard and walked into this adoption relationship with God. You have heard and asked for more. That's the belief. I believe that Jesus is who He says He is. I believe that God did what He said He did. I believe the truth of Scripture. And I may not be able to understand all of it, but I believe that you have a purpose and a plan for my life to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me a hope in a future. I believe that God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but would be able to, be able to spend eternity with Him. I believe that you give me the gift of the Holy Spirit of God, a guaranteeing, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I believe that you did give all these spiritual gifts in heaven. You're just waiting on me to pursue you so that you can give me more. I do believe. The belief is so vitally important. And the belief is something that only you can answer inside of your heart because I can take, tell you all day long that I believe and I could lie to you face to face. We do a good job of covering up what we believe and don't believe based on Scripture, based on truth. I can say one thing, but in my heart, do I really believe it? And that's the essence of it. You've heard the Word this morning. You've heard the Word throughout your life. You've heard the Holy Spirit of God tugging at your heart, knocking on the door, saying, I want to give you more. My hands are wide open. All you got to do is come and let me embrace you. You don't even have to embrace me. Allow me to embrace you. Because that's what he wants to do. You have heard and believed the message of truth. The good news that he, Jesus, God the Father, has saved you. In him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit whom he promised. And you think about the seal. The seal is legal authority. The seal is legally binding. The seal is not something that can broken, be taken away. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit of God. You have been sealed. As a Christ follower, when you say yes to Jesus, you are sealed. Sealed. Not temporarily. It's not like a seal around the door that sometimes you've got to replace it. You are sealed permanently with the Holy Spirit of God within you. Well, then... Why do I never hear him? Why don't I recognize it when he talks? Why does he not talk to me? Why do I feel like he's a million miles away? Let me use this as an example for you. Imagine for a moment that Tara and I are standing over next to the screen and we're just having a normal conversation, normal tone of voice, just normal conversation. And I choose to continue to have that conversation. She's still talking to me, but I come all the way over to here. And she's still talking in the same tone of voice. It's, I have to listen a little bit more intently to hear what she's saying. And then I choose to walk a little bit further away. And she's still talking. It's not quite as understandable, legible. And I, I walk over here, and then I continue to walk all the way till I'm in the back corner over there. I'm as far away from her physically as I can be within this building. And she's still talking, that same tone of voice, that same audible speaking. Yet I can't hear her. Why? Because I have chosen to walk away. Guys, the Holy Spirit of God's still talking. But because of sin nature and bad choices and, and choosing to walk away from Him, we're not hearing. 
Maybe that's where we are today. Maybe that's where some of us are struggling. And you know something? You can see how big my ears are. If you're talking to me from behind, they're kind of, it's kind of blocking. Can you see that? It's kind of blocking. Blocking your, your, your audible sound waves. I can't hear it. It hits my ears and it bounces off. But if I turn towards you, these big old ears, they really pick you up a whole lot easier. Maybe part of the reason that we're not hearing from the Holy Spirit of God could be that our backs are turned, that our spirit is clenched, and He is trying to reach out and touch us, but we're choosing not to walk and to listen. But the good news is, He's not here. I mean, He's not left us. He's still sealed. He's still a part of us. And I can choose in that back corner to turn and face her, face Tara. I can choose to start walking back this direction so that I can start hearing Again, again, it's a choice. I have to choose this every single moment of every single day. That's why does he why does he take your thoughts captive? Why do we have to take our thoughts captive? Because in this moment, this very thought that I'm having could be taking me away from holiness, away from purity, and away from God. And I have to choose in that moment, no, stop. I am taking this thought captive. I am wrestling it. I am grabbing it. I'm holding on to it. And I'm saying, you are coming back to the Holy Spirit side of authority. I'm choosing to take that caught thought captive. It's not, oh, hey, thought, you just do what you want over here. You play on this side, and I'll play on this side. He says, take it captive. Grab hold of it. Don't let it go and bring it back under the submission of the pure thoughts of the Holy Spirit of God. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit whom He promised. In verse 14, this Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we will receive our inheritance. It's life everlasting. We have this guarantee until we are set free to belong to Him. I love that. I love that translation right here. That we have this guarantee, this seal, this Holy Spirit Spirit of God until we are set free. You know what set free means, right? It's life everlasting. That's when this body's gone and ever eternity, the way that our minds can kind of understand it, begins. When I, I have the guarantee until I'm set free from this tent, from this broken, messed up clay pot. When this thing's gone, then I'll be set free. But until then, I have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within me. Praise God. God receives praise and glory for this. Amen. 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 I want to I end because we're out of time. Two verses that I want to read to you from Psalm 139 that kind of helps, hopefully, with any of us, any of you that are struggling with this, I don't know if God loves me, I don't know if God named me, I don't know if God has a purpose and plan for my life, I don't, I don't really know what I think about God, I don't know if I can walk in holiness and purity, I don't know if He even wants me to. Any of, the, any of those questions that you're struggling with, let me read these two verses to you. Psalm 139, verse 13, David says about God, You alone created my inner being. You knit me together inside my mother's womb. God could have spoken each and every one of us into existence, but He didn't speak us into existence. He took time to form us with His hands. He knit us, each of us, together because of the love that He has for us. And all those Scripture verses are true about the purpose and plan that He has for each and every one of us to walk in holiness and purity so that we can walk into the destiny, walk in the fullness. And guys, that fullness does not stop until the day we go home to be with Him. Regardless of age, age has nothing to do with it. 
You could be 150 years old and still be, have a purpose on this earth that God has destined for each and every one of us. And verse 16 of that same psalm, every day of my life, every day of my life, every day of my life was recorded in your book before one of them had taken place. Please don't struggle anymore with whether or not God loves you, whether or not God has a plan for you, whether or not you were a mistake, whether or not you can be used. God formed you. He touched you. He touched your very DNA with His fingerprints when He sewed you together inside of your mother's womb. And your very life was written in His book before one day was even experienced. And before the creation of the world, He chose to adopt you. Our response is, yes, Yes. I'm going to ask Kevin to come up and, and lead us in, in a moment of invitation. And guys, if, if this is something you're struggling with and you want some prayer, please come up to me, Tara, Bob. We'll, we'll be up here. Anybody else? Find somebody to pray with if you need some prayer in this moment. Don't leave here questioning anymore. Don't leave here struggling with this anymore because the Holy Spirit of God wants to and can set you free in this moment. This is the day of freedom. This is what this is about, freedom. It's about walking in holiness. It's the foundation of holiness. But I can't have that foundation until I accept the truth of the foundation. The foundation is so vital. Don't let your foundation be shifting sand that as you walk, just scatters. Our foundation is in the holiness and the perfection of a truth of our daddy king, King Abba, of our big brother, Jesus Christ, and of the gift of the Holy Spirit of God that he chose to give us, to allow us to walk in holiness and purity. And if that's a struggle, let's pray it away in the name of Jesus. Let's pray for boldness. Let's pray for wisdom. Let's pray for more of God in His name.